President Tsai Ing-wen has embarked on a four-day state visit to Eswatini, Taiwan's only remaining ally in Africa. She will attend the celebration marking the 55th year of Eswatini's independence, which coincides with the 55th anniversary of the Taiwan-Eswatini friendship. Just before her flight, Tsai praised Eswatini for standing by Taiwan despite global challenges. I will lead a delegation to once again visit our diplomatic ally Eswatini. At Taoyuan International Airport, President Tsai Ing-wen speaks ahead of her second trip to Eswatini, Taiwan's only remaining African ally. She'll be there on a four-day state visit. Over the past few years, amid global challenges such as the pandemic and the expansion of authoritarianism, Eswatini has stood steadfastly by Taiwan's side. This year marks the 55th anniversary of diplomatic ties between our two countries, as well as the 55th anniversary of Eswatini's independence. On behalf of the people of Taiwan, I will convey my most sincere congratulations. Tsai touted the two nations' 55-year friendship, stressing that Eswatini has long spoken up for Taiwan on the global stage. Since ascending to the Eswatini throne in 1986, King Maswati III has visited Taiwan 18 times, reflecting the friendship between the two sides. The president is embarking on a four-day trip. The main purpose is to attend a celebration honoring the 55th anniversary of Eswatini's founding, which also marks 55 years of the Taiwan-Eswatini friendship. What's notable about this trip is that Kaohsiung Mayor Chen Shimai is accompanying Tsai, as Kaohsiung is about to formalize a sister city relationship with Eswatini's capital. Taiwan's foreign ministry said that ahead of Tsai's visit, a statement was issued by more than 80 lawmakers from 11 African countries, including South Africa, the Republic of Malawi, and Botswana. On behalf of each country's Formosa Club branch, the statement welcomed President Tsai to Eswatini. It also commended Tsai for her Africa plan, which has achieved tangible results since it was initiated shortly after her 2018 visit to Eswatini. Before departing, Tsai made clear that Taiwan's storm recovery and other domestic affairs were still top of mind. I have instructed my administrative team to keep in close contact with local governments and to provide assistance with disaster recovery. Even during state visits, domestic issues remain a priority, as Tsai aims to close out her tenure on a strong note. Taipei prosecutors declare that the United Daily News published a report based on a forged document. Back in July, UDN published a report based on the South Sea Working Group meeting records. The report claimed that the government was developing biological weapons and had discussed it at a secret working group meeting. After a month-long investigation, the Taipei District Prosecutor's Office ruled that the meeting minutes were a forgery, as they were formatted differently from real cabinet minutes. I'd like to thank the Taipei District Prosecutor's Office for its thorough investigation. As the government has stated repeatedly, the UDN report is patently untrue. It has caused unnecessary social panic, which the CCP has deployed for cognitive warfare. I hope that the United Daily News Group can recognize its mistake, be brave enough to make a correction, and take down that news story. Only by doing so will they prevent further harm to society. Journalists play an important role in society. They have a social responsibility. So what I want to say is that I hope they'll be more thorough in their fact-checking. Don't spread content that is cognitive warfare or misinformation. Before the story was published, the writer had only verified the facts with a defense ministry spokesperson. 
The writer did not reach out to the executive yuan to verify that it had convened the meeting or whether the document was real. Although the journalist had fallen short when fact-checking, he had balanced the report with responses from other government agencies. As a result, Taipei prosecutors decided not to file charges, as they could not prove criminal intent. Taipei City has decided to end its subsidy program for neighborhood cleanup starting next year. The program is currently supported by a 30 million NT annual budget. That money goes to borough wardens who organize crews for community cleanup. A group of borough wardens held a press event on Tuesday to urge the mayor to continue the popular initiative. <laughs> Borough wardens take a stand, chanting slogans in protest. Taipei has decided to terminate a popular recycling program. Starting next year, its 4,400 NT recycling subsidies will come to an end. They're going to discontinue it, and I'm very unhappy about that. How should I put this? At the time, I didn't want a recycling station here, but the government kept encouraging us borough wardens to get on board. Now that we've got the program up and running, they want to end it. It shouldn't be that the central government says, jump, and the rest of us immediately say, how high? Policies should be adapted for local conditions. The central government initiated this program in 2017, and so hasn't it achieved results? Some borough wardens think they've done really well and they want to continue and keep it going. The government should accept this, or at least retain part of the budget for people who feel they're doing a good job. The recycling program was launched to clean up communities. Borough wardens were asked to rally volunteers for street cleanup. Across Taipei's 170 boroughs, some 1,000 volunteers are currently involved. Borough wardens say the program is important for environmental cleanliness and awareness. Its termination raises questions about the city's commitment to the environment, they say. Taipei City's Environmental Protection Bureau offers 188 nighttime collection routes and 4,035 recycling points. If residents are unable to utilize them, there are another 32 time-restricted collection points. We collect five days a week, accepting garbage, recyclables, and kitchen scraps. Garbage goes into designated garbage bags, whereas kitchen waste and recyclables are transported away for free. So we're continuing on with operations to preserve the rights and interests of our residents. We are not regressing on our commitment to environmental protection. According to the city's environmental authority, its decision to terminate was made to align with national policy. But borough wardens are urging the mayor to rethink the move and to retain what they see as an effective policy. Over in Nantou County, a small township called Zhenai is struggling to recover from a double whammy of storms. The town's recovery from Typhoon Kanun was set back by the latest typhoon, Haikui, which brought more flooding. One of the worst hit areas is the Lushan Hot Springs area. It's been slammed by several rounds of landslides, which have caused the Taloan River to rise. An iconic suspension bridge is on the brink of being washed away. Typhoon Kanun brought an estimated 600,000 cubic meters of gravel to the Lushan Hot Spring area. We cleared it out for a month, but Typhoon Haikoi completely wiped away our work in two days. Prior to Typhoon Kanun, the Lover Suspension Bridge stood at a height of 10, 20 meters. After Kanun's devastation, it was brought to just two meters. Now it's going under entirely. 
Regarding this bridge, after consultations with local authorities and the Council of Indigenous Peoples, we decided not to repair it. This is mainly because the nearby Bulalu Bridge needs to be fully rebuilt. Officials have decided against rebuilding the Lover's Suspension Bridge. Instead, efforts will go to fix the nearby Bulalu Bridge, which also took heavy damage. Police in Zhanghua County are trumpeting the success of their embrace of traffic cameras. Since 2019, the county has spent hundreds of millions of dollars on the growing network of surveillance cameras and the vehicle identification system. They credit the technology for significant reductions in theft and violent crime in the past few years. They've even caught hundreds of perpetrators of illegal waste dumping using the system. Footage from traffic cameras across the county are sent back to a control room where a police officer carries out comparative analysis. Using all the data from the cloud sent to our control room is a big help in investigations. This net in the sky combines footage of vehicle license plates and vehicle movements with active pursuit systems. Police can check surveillance records anytime, working out the vehicle a criminal is using with footage identification technologies and tracking its movements. The system can be used on a phone and identify wanted vehicles on the street, bolstering the capacities of law enforcement. For example, apart from identifying license plates, we can also do real-time tracking, and that can be a great help in pursuing a case. As the saying goes, a craftsman needs good tools. Since 2019, Jianghua County Police Department has allocated 380 million NT toward a net of more than 10,000 surveillance cameras across the county. A further 243 million NT was in the 2023 budget for another 1,400 cameras, which will bring the total to 12,190 countywide. This system has a 98% success rate in helping us solve cases. Police say the cameras have significantly reduced the rates of robbery, muggings, hit and runs, and street violence. In 2017, there were more than 300 car and scooter thefts, but in 2022, there were just 199, a 30% reduction. Meanwhile, 252 people have been arrested for 144 separate cases of illegal waste dumping. Police are delighted to see environmental crime groups leave the county. A Zhanghua school has a unique garden made of recycled materials. Students at Peiying Elementary are growing plants in tiny tooth pots. The school nurse helped them create the pots from recycled bottles. There are lots of other garden features too, from planters made of recycled electric cables to a wall made of packing tape. Teachers hope the little recycled garden will inspire kids with the joy of creativity as well as a love of nature. Children gather around a table of potted plants in the schoolyard. Look closely and you spot the pots are all unique, each one a toothy face with a different expression. The children say that the flowers growing out of the faces look like hair. It's lots of work taking care of the plants, but I think it's really fun. I want to make them grow big and tall. You have to be careful and look after them, just like looking after teeth. The creator of these tooth pots is long-serving school nurse Yang Shouqing. After the school received a donation of almost 80 tooth-potted plants, Yang wanted to make more so all the children could enjoy them. She collected over 1,000 recycled plastic bottles and cut the bottoms off to create these teeth. She showed the children how to paint them white to make their little dental friends. 
Growing these plants lets the children experience caring for life and the character building of life education. After the children planted them, they went beyond what I imagined and continued to water them and to care about whether they're alive. And the teeth are not all. The schoolyard also boasts a colorful wall made with more than 100 rolls of packing tape and the caps of the plastic bottles. These unique decorations inspire the students to be creative in their recycling and get a taste for gardening. T-Pass users take note. In collaboration with EasyCard, more than 4,000 convenience stores nationwide will offer T-Pass balance reloading starting Wednesday. The stores will also sell the monthly commuter pass itself, and shoppers can choose among all seven regional plans. It's rush hour and commuters are surging through Taipei Main Station. Since the launch of T-Pass two months ago, 1.14 million cards have been sold. Soon you can add to your T-Pass balance right at convenience stores, thanks to a collaboration with EasyCard. Sometimes if you forget to top up your card, you have to go out of your way to do it. But everyone's got a convenience store downstairs, so you can just take a trip downstairs to take care of it. It's pretty convenient, and there aren't any time constraints. For instance, if the metro station is closed because it's late, then you can't go in there to make a purchase. Currently, T-passes can be bought at metro, train, and intercity bus stations. Starting Wednesday, they'll also be available at 4,150 convenience stores nationwide. Seven T-pass plans will be sold, covering regions including Taipei, New Taipei, Jilong, Taoyuan, Taichung, Zhenghua, Nanto, Miaoli, and Yilan, Hualien, Taidong. As long as you have a standard Easy Card, a co-branded Easy Card credit card, or a student card, you can tap your card on a machine to load up a T-Pass plan. This method is expected to drive impulse purchases by 10%. According to the executive yuan, there are more than 6 million commuters in Taiwan. Now convenience stores will offer balance reloading for the T-Pass to make the program even more attractive to commuters. Moon watchers will be out in droves in late September for Mid-Autumn Festival. To mark the occasion, Taiwan Lottery has unveiled two new scratch-off games with more than 2.4 million prizes. The total prize money exceeds 1.14 billion NT. Not only that, extra cash will be added to the prize pot for two popular games, Lotto 649 and Super Lotto, for a limited time only. Total prizes will reach a combined 660 million NT. With its new games and extra prizes, Taiwan Lottery hopes to drive big sales over the holiday. A young amateur filmmaker is working on a documentary about Taiwan's migrant workers. Second-generation immigrant Li Zhenyan moved to Hualien from China when he was four years old. He has always been interested in the stories of other immigrants, especially Taiwan's Southeast Asian migrant workers. Now he's creating media for the Global Indonesia Care Association, a group which supports Indonesians in Taiwan. The association's team is finding that new media broadens their social reach and builds bridges between the two cultures. The director behind the camera is Lin Zhengyan, a second-generation immigrant from China's Sichuan province. He came to Taiwan and settled in Hualien with his parents when he was four years old. The media creator is now making his first event-based documentary about the wedding customs of Indonesian migrant workers. This is using a 
北边去迎娶这个新娘，然后方位也都是按照那个。Lee is working with Sandy, the director of Global Indonesia Care Association, to support Indonesian immigrants in Taiwan. Two years ago, the association started to develop media projects. Everyone got stuck into learning community management with the guidance of a professional teacher. I've been studying on my phone for less than six months. I just started picking up the camera with the guidance of my teacher and gradually going around different locations and learning the skills.、And、then I jumped into lots of projects for the association. Lee has always cared about immigrants and migrant workers' issues. What with growing up with an immigrant mother, he's getting the hang of design, filming, and editing, and working with Indonesian migrant workers and exchange students in the association. They make podcasts from an Indonesian perspective, as well as travel shows and Mandarin language learning content. Nah, di Taiwan itu musim itu terbagi menjadi empat. Yang pertama ada musim panas, musim gugur, musim semi dan juga musim dingin. The association's new media content has attracted inquiries from more and more Indonesian workers and students, enabling the association to respond to more issues. We're a team that has to make our own events, do our own filming, and create our own strategies. So actually thinking about it, it's not that easy. But the creative team are passionate about the potentials of new media and its ever-spreading reach. Lee says he will keep recording the stories of the migrant workers who bring their dreams to Taiwan. He's convinced that when we take the time to get to know and understand people, we will naturally develop affection and acceptance. Just one step is all you need to reach out. Illustrator Mark Lee is celebrating 15 years of manga about the trials and tribulations of white-collar work. Lee's cutely ironic take on office life has brought a wry smile to many readers. But a successful career in art was not handed to Lee on a plate. Before his art took off, he started a string of failed businesses and was betrayed by a friend-turned-business partner. At his lowest point, he had 20 million NT of debt. Maybe it's that familiarity with the low points of business that enables Lee to depict workplace dramas with such clarity. A cute animation accompanies an all-too-lifelike plot that could speak for many viewers. Illustrator Mark Lee has been on the side of the average office worker with his workplace manga for 15 years. He's inspired by real life, of course. In the early days, I often made notes, and whatever thoughts I had, I would stick them in the cartoon. His notebooks are full of images and scribbled records. Lee has been studying art since he was young, and started his professional career in 2008, right in the middle of the global financial crisis. He offered readers a humorous angle on the daily tedium of office life, and had become famous in less than a year. The workplace is already a gory place. If you then went and drew it very realistically, I think it wouldn't have a good resonance. But there's a contrasting tone, which is like your images are cuter, but you're telling these serious workplace stories, and that creates a contrast. <laughs> Lee now has his own studio. He creates the stories and draws the initial sketches, and his employees transform them into a finished product.
It all looks shiny now, but Lee's success sits on the foundation of some harsh life experiences. In days past, he founded several companies which failed and was betrayed by a friend. He was left with debts of 20 million NT, but he managed to make energy out of his rage and grief, using that low point as fuel for his creativity. I started a few companies when I was younger, and they all ended in huge failures actually. So I had debts of eight digits at one point in my life, and that became something which I later put into my work, or a factor that influenced my art later. Lee has been around the block a few times and he's no longer afraid of difficulties. After many years in art, he can truly claim to be an alternative spokesperson for the frustrated white-collar worker.